Why, hello. Lovely to see you here again. It's Chappie, your British butler. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. It's the name of this cauldron of nonsense that we like to call a podcast that we broadcast from Chappie Towers here in Colorado twice a week. So we have it on a Friday and we have it on a Saturday. So I hope I'm stirring your loins this morning. My loins are thoroughly stirred because it's the crack of dawn. It is the bottom crack of dawn right here. And the only thing that can keep me awake is a little bit of toasted honey. The honey is perfect lubrication. The uh, the tea uh, just gives me that uh, life force to, uh, to plow on at the start of the day. To give you a show of much entertainment, mirth and merriment. It may be in that order. Who knows? I don't know what I don't know what the order of play is today. But I'm here opening up your batting on a Friday morning, and uh, wherever you are in the world, uh, hopefully you're having a lovely time. It's uh, been absolutely roasting hot here. I mean, you could roast your potatoes anywhere you wanted the last few days here in Colorado. Whether you wanted on the sidewalk, the side of the pool. Uh, Probably, uh, you know, if you're sunbathing and you have some of that oil, you know that old spray-on brownish oil that people used to wear in the 1960s and 70s before they realized that, you know, burning themselves to a crisp would uh, probably lead to skin cancer. You know, people back in the day didn't care and they wanted to become a roast potato, basically. A crispy, carcinogenic roast potato. Just the way I like them, you know. But uh, it was so hot. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. How I feel like maybe Scott of the Antarctic, uh, Ranulf Fiennes, Edmund Hillary, I was fighting and battling through the heat the other day. And just a Panama... And in pure linen, I managed to fight back against the heady heat of nature. But by golly, I was soaking wet. I feel like a slightly reluctant, reticent jack-in-the-box today. Where you're turning the handle and just not a lot's going on. Not a lot's happening. I'm, I'm willing to spring out of my box to entertain you, but I, uh, I just can't do it. I just can't power myself to uh, pop out and appear and surprise you uh, for the podcast today. So it's, it's harder work this morning. Sometimes this podcast just flows like the land of milk and honey. It is smooth as a delicious milk British chocolate. Um, but... Today, it's it's bloody hard work. So I, I'm I'm trying to motivate myself best I can. <clears throat> I'm almost thinking that I maybe I need sort of acupuncture through the show just to keep me awake. I did have a form of acupuncture in the in the week, um, a, a new form of acupuncture that was a, a surprise, right in the back of my head, and uh, it hurt like beggary. <laughs> so we'll be talking about that at some point today. Uh, but when I'm talking about a jack-in-the-box, I'm not talking about uh, the burger chain. One of the many burger chains that they have in this country. 
I think burger chains for Americans are like what pubs are for the British. I mean, there's, they're everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Um, I mean, I, I would prefer to go on a pub crawl than a burger crawl, but I think you would be crawling back probably to your hovel after maybe two burgers. Whereas you can probably go maybe 11 hours from pub to pub, just eating uh, chicharrones or pork crackling, uh, maybe the odd pickled egg, uh, along with uh, a hefty load of pints. Um, but that, you know, that's everybody for themselves. Some people would prefer the burger crawl. Me, I think the pub crawl. And uh, I would, uh, I would try one of the slightly greenish pickled eggs that you can get that could have been in the pub since the 1966 World Cup final. Uh, I mean, if you ate that, that would truly give you 55 years of hurt, I think. Um, but here we are on the show again. Chappie just manfully crawling, fingernails, fingernails to the wall, pulling himself through the show as Maggie the Corgi does the most annoying thing in the world and pushes her little bowl around the room constantly making noise not understanding that i'm doing a rather important podcast i mean this is a friday this is the friday clarion call for many people but maggie just decides to keep pushing the bowl around nobody wants a frisky corgi uh, running around pushing the porcelain bowl round with its nose constantly um during the midst of a podcast but you know what? I wonder what she would think if I was in my pen pushing a porcelain teacup around with my snout, gradually scraping along the tile floor. I mean, it's the most annoying thing in the world. So, dearest Maggie has to go without a porcelain bowl. I know it's, it's, it's a cry for help. It's a cry for attention, I think. Um, much like me this morning when I woke up and I thought, I need... Two cups of tea before I can do anything today. Before I can wind up the spring and go. Wind up the elastic and just let me go. Maybe there's something else I should do. If I sort of twist my uh, tighty whities around, you know, similar to what happened in boarding school when you got hung out of the window in your boxer shorts. Um, maybe I need to sort of twist the tighty whities around. Just that, that sort of elastic um, pressure. Maybe what I need to uh, fire myself up for the day. But here we go with the podcast. So the AILs have been out again. The whole social dilemma thing where everybody's watching, listening to whatever I'm doing. I mean, you say, well, Chappie, why are they listening to you? You're, you're a sort of middle-aged butler who goes about his day, you know, polishing the, polishing the china, uh, polishing the brass, all of that. Well... I think they're listening to all of us. There's no need to insert a microchip into us uh, from one of the uh, COVID vaccinations. There's no need because everybody else is listening. My, my spectacle case is probably listening to me right now. My Starbucks cup knows that I like a dash of milk in the top of my tea. Everybody is listening. But anyway, so I got a, I got a note uh, on Instagram it was actually uh, trying to sell me some sort of product that will help my performance. 
We'll be talking about that later. Uh, there's a trend in orthopedic shoes as well. As I said, July the 28th was the hottest July the 28th ever in Colorado. Maybe not since the sands of time, but since they started uh, etching and scoring, you know, the old weather scorebook. That's, uh, it's been the hottest day since then. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, well, I'm not going to take the easy ride today. I'm going to battle it out there in the, uh, in the hot sun, melting my marshmallows, so to speak. My love of a certain pillow has really been a game changer for me. Also, uh, Amazon Prime delivers things pretty quickly. But you know what? There are some things that you want delivered within an hour. And we'll be talking about that. Uh, when I woke up this morning, I felt the throat had seized up. Uh, but, you know, a little bit of nature's goodness did really help things move along. And uh, the power and wonder of this natural remedy that is amazing. But when I woke up to how I am now. Okay, everything bacon tasting. We've made everything bacon tasting. Are we getting sick of it yet? <clears throat> well, not quite yet, but uh, we'll be discussing that as well. My junket of navy sweaters, my navy jumper obsession and fetish. It is, uh, it is becoming a fetish. But somebody um, over, at the, uh, over at the Butler School um, also has another type of fetish, but this is more for something quite Jurassic. Also, we're dipping into... Uh, our neighborhood app, the next door app, gives you lots and lots of wonderful stuff. I mean, people bring out their crazy on next door. Uh, and we'll be, you know, looking at some of the uh, local crimes in the neighborhood uh, that people see as crimes, but really uh, just like a, a tickle on the belly, basically. But Japanese NATO beans could hold the key to stopping the coronavirus infection. I always said that beans means Heinz, but these NATO beans could have a whole different type of uh, solution to your problems, basically. Um, also, the race is on for the son of Concord. We have supersonic uh, flights coming back again, where you can maybe get to New York in three hours. I mean, I, I find that where I come from in the UK, it can take you three hours to go 50 miles if you're stuck behind a uh, tractor driver and those tractor drivers those farmers are bloody minded i tell you they will not let you pass thou shall not pass they it's, it's almost like uh, an eye for an eye they go very biblical they won't let you pass and uh <laughs> and you can be literally 50 miles behind a tractor with a line of maybe four or five miles of traffic behind one of these farmers we have some trumpet trombone and some enigmatic English eccentric habits coming along the way on your dear podcast. Keep calm and cauliflower cheers. I love a good heist story, <clears throat> a good Pink Panther heist story. So the Boodle's gem heist tactic used in previous scam court was told. The sister of a woman accused of swapping pebbles for diamonds uh, in a 4.2 million pound heist was wanted for switching 400,000 uh, euros in cash for paper at a Swiss bank. Lulu Lactatos, it, it sounds like 
something if you've um, got a little bit of a blockage, you take some Lulu Lactitos. Claims her uh, younger sibling, Liliana, had dyed her hair grey and used her passport to travel to London to carry out the gem heist at the luxury jeweller Boodles in Bond Street. A woman posing as a gemologist had used a sleight of hand to switch a locked purse containing seven diamonds to a duplicate containing pebbles in March 2016. The locked purse had been placed in a handbag for a matter of two or three seconds before being stored in the showroom safe the following day. It was found to contain worthless stones. At the time, Liliana was wanted in Switzerland for carrying out a similar switch the Suffolk Crown Court heard. As part of the Swiss scam, a resource firm called the United Commodity AG had been promised 40 million euros loan in return for a 400,000 pound cash advance payment. A woman who could be identified as Liliana Lactos uh, attended a meeting with the United Commodity boss Recto Harman at the AEK Bank in Oberhofen in October 2014 to check the case payment. Liliana Lactos had Reto Hartman open the safe deposit box, take the cash, check it and put it in eight bundles held in rubber bands into an envelope she had brought with her that she had wrapped in adhesive tape. But Reto Hartman was distracted by a telephone call. She took advantage of the moment of distraction and exchanged the envelope for the cash wrapped in a tape suitably prepared envelope containing paper. Afterwards, Liliana left the bank safe and got in a cab and fled with the stolen goods. Lulu Lactose had told the court that her sister admitted her role in the diamond heist and was preparing to contact police shortly before she died, age 49, in a car accident. Emma Barton, a boodle gemologist, picked out Liliana as the person who stole the diamonds in a photograph identification procedure in May. Liliana had nine convictions for theft, money laundering in France between 2002 and 2012. Uh, Philip Stott for the prosecution told the jury it's clear that Lulu and not her sister had captured on CCTV switching the diamonds for the pebbles at Boodles before handing them to a female accomplice uh, outside the fleeing when she fled to France. I mean, th- the thing is, though, if I went pebble hunting when I was a wee lad down on the beaches of East Anglia in the UK, I-, I couldn't find a pebble that looked like a diamond. I mean... You, you don't really have to be a gemologist to to pick out pebbles versus diamonds. I mean, maybe if it's in the bag. I mean, even a pebble weighs more than a diamond. Not that I've seen that many diamonds as well. I mean, I've seen much more cubic zirconia over the years than diamonds. Um, but you can never find a pebble that's remotely like a diamond. Now, I need to find the beach where I can find pebbles that look like diamonds. Because, you know, you could sort of re-gift those at Christmas time. It'd be absolutely perfect. A beach that basically has pure shores. So as I said, the AI elves, <clears throat> the social dilemma elves, have been messing with me through the course of the week. Uh, they sent me a little note on Instagram asking if I was uh, as ready as a Roman. <clears throat> now, I don't know how ready a Roman has to be. When I, when I saw be as ready as a Roman, <clears throat> I thought I would need... You know, a sheet of armor, uh, maybe one of those uh, big old helmets <clears throat> with the earpieces down with a spike on it. Uh, I, I thought it was some sort of fancy dress Halloween uh, type of competition or something along those lines. But no, they were trying to improve my sexual performance. Being ready as a Roman is a little pill one takes to get one 
himself ready for the battle ahead, <clears throat> for the uh, for the wrestle ahead, uh, for the uh, marathon of carnal delights that lies ahead of you. And that's exactly what the uh, what what the advert was trying to imply. Now I know I'm 44, but you can't assume that I'm going to have to be as ready as a Roman. Uh, you know, my my helmet is ready to go, fully spiked. Most of the time, I would say. So one does not need these uh, little these little tablets. But uh, I mean, they're just hazarding a guess because of my age profile. I would say that I would need a little bit of help uh, when it comes. Uh, to the uh, greatest battle ahead uh, before I get invaded by the picks. I mean, part of the advertising as well says that you'll be basically ready for hours. So, I mean, it, I guess maybe this is why they call it uh, Roman, is because, you know, you are ready for hours, but you have to dress like a Roman in like some sort of loose fitting cape. Because if you have anything, like, if you go for the skinny tight jeans, uh, I mean, it's going to look like you've got a pistol in your pocket for hours, basically. So that, that would not work. So I think when you, when you decide to take one of these uh, little gentleman persuaders, so to speak, uh, then you need to wear some sort of cassock cloak, maybe a little bit like a monk, uh, just before uh, coital activity. The, uh, the thing is, though, if you can turn dressed up like a monk or a cassock or with a huge cape on, uh, then I think your significant other may need a little bit of persuasion as well. Uh, because at that point, uh, she's probably considerably turned off. They may need a little bit of passion fruit uh, to get uh, ready for action again, so to speak. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe if the time comes where I have to... Uh, discreetly sent away for one of these uh, little uh, little items then uh, then maybe I will go full Roman with the spiked helmet and the very wafty cloak with plenty of room in it there's a new TV show called The Minimalists and basically I saw an interesting article in the paper how to lose friends and find happiness so they quit their high-flying jobs gave away their stuff shrank their social lives and gained a cult following so this is in the Times. So when Josh Fields Milburn sat down to write his new book, Love People, Use Things, and the original sentence was, the day after my mother died of cancer, I cheated on my wife, his publisher called him immediately. He said, do you want people to hate you from page one? So I changed it. But that doesn't alter the fact it's true. That only by being honest about shitty decisions that you've made can clear obstacles to your thinking and live intentionally. Just over 10 years, Melbourne was making a lot of money at a telecoms company in Dayton, Ohio, earning more than 200000 a year. He was married, owned a big house, two Lexuses, and a Land Rover. And then in 2009, his mother died of lung cancer and his marriage imploded. It was while clearing out his mother's Florida home that he had a revelation. I realized I will die too. Life is finite and pretty much became the embodiment of Confucius' uh, aphorism Every man has two lives. The second begins the moment he realizes he has but one. Instead of putting his mother's effects into storage, Melbourne sold or gave away, apart from a few photos, and in the next eight months, he purged his own belonging. His own American psycho wardrobe included 70s white Brook Brothers shirts. Seriously, it may be 
indicating a serial killer, and ditched 90% of those. I've supposedly been living the American dream, but it was what I call stuffocated. The truth is, I don't really know who I was. So Milburn successfully convinced others to change their lives and his brother, and the duo launched the website The Minimalist in 2010. By 2012, they left their jobs and moved into a cabin in Montana where they uh, wrote a blog and developed their ideas and chased bears and uh, became basically Fred and Barney Flintstone, it seems. Uh, Now they've been on tour together, fans are queuing up to give advice on how to leave unfilling jobs and relationships or simply just how to get rid of their unwanted stuff. Afterwards, the duo meet in a hug line. Uh, That's the best part of it said the stragglehead uh, Nicodemus, give out hugs. I mean, all call 1-800-I-GOT-JUNK, and they can come and get rid of all your stuff, basically. Um, but you know what? I think we all are going through these sort of revelations, these evolutions in our life, where we have to stop hoarding, whether it's bad friends, bad relationships, uh, too much stuff, And I am the epitome of this. I mean, I'm looking across my microphone here at two old iPhone boxes. Wires that I don't know where they connect or where they go. Um, Old golf scorecards. I mean, it it, it becomes a real problem. So I need to practice what these gentlemen preach. And I have to get stuffed and stop stuffocating myself. So the 28th of July here in Colorado was the hottest 28th of July ever in the history of record keeping. Now I'm sure they had during Roman times or uh, after these ice ages where You could grow grapes in Alaska or something along those lines. They probably had hotter days. But for me, this was a challenge. I saw the temperature and I thought, I'm going to walk to the Butler Training School, which is about a mile and a half. And I'm going to go full linen. Linen from top to tail. I'm going to have a linen shirt on a sort of wafer thin linen shirt I'm going to have linen trousers I'm going to do the uh, whole boat shoe thing no socks I mean I don't wear socks from uh, May to September that's where uh, a decent amount of foot powder comes in baby powder on the feet stops all sorts of indiscretions and the trusty Panama hat that had been uh, chewed up by a rather large golden doodle a few days before so I had a few extra holes in. It was letting some air. It was aerating my uh, my sweaty head. But I almost felt that I was uh, Scott of the Antarctic. Or maybe Edmund Hillary. Richard Branson going on his, one of his space expeditions or up in his balloon. It was this type of challenge. It was a battle of attrition to sear myself through the heat with a very heavy leather work satchel that uh, I had my apple for the teacher and I had my uh, delicious pita sandwich that I had uh, stuffed with turkey and cheese and a dollop of English mustard. That was going to get me through the heat 
It was the heat of Hades that I had to stroll, meander, and uh, finally claw my way through to get to the finish line, to get to the Butler School, where I'd have to slip on my morning suit and my starch shirt and just sweat even more. But you know what? I had the purpose of mind, the drive, the determination, the ambition to do what few men have done, defeat the heat on the hottest 28th of July in Colorado history. And you know how I celebrated? With a lovely ginger beer that I found afterwards had pretty much all the additives and sweeteners and were probably more poisonous than sugar. But you know, for that moment, I felt like one of the greatest explorers. I felt that when I got to the training school, the Butler Training School, I would insert my Union Jack into the ground and claim that I had succeeded where many millions had failed that day. So we have a little bit of education and etiquette, but not a Victorian education and etiquette. This is a don't kiss me yet. The new double vax rules. Charlie Gowan's Eglinton gives a guide to the new etiquette. We're allowed to hug, kiss, and stand pressed up against each other in crowded bars again. It's thrilling. It's about time. It's wait. Do I really want to? As our social calendars are filling up again, we're meeting and greeting and navigating the new etiquette. Are your friends more or less risk averse than you? How close is too close? And how we really do miss hugging sweaty people. Uh, standing close is number one. Do I want everybody to smell the new perfume I bought last month? Yes, it deserves an audience, not least because it was quite expensive. If you like tuberose, it's a Frederick Malay, cruelly named carnal flower. Probably a Freudian choice for me at this point. Even so, I'm having all the office conversations across things, a desk, the kitchen island, at the tea point, it's harder to find those that you chat across on a night out. But if it's not a crowded room, why not crowd one another? The elbow touch, absolutely not. It's just weird. It's only politicians who actually think because of the optics and trying to look as if they were doing their bit whilst actually holidaying through exam result crisis or getting amorous in meeting room C. Admittedly, I started using the pointy bit of my elbow to press the button to cross the road so I don't get my hands all dirty. But in honesty, it's perfect shape for that. The elbow touch as a greeting is just bizarre, especially when accompanied by a frozen panto smile and held a bit too long. Make sure everybody saw what you're doing. What does it achieve? There isn't the great purpose of somebody, purpose of a handshake, nor the expression of joy, a reuniting that is a hug. It doesn't seem polite or respectful. It certainly doesn't look chic like a European cheek kiss. Point your elbow a little too high and you look like you're a backing dancer in a 1980s jazz exercise video. Uh, or do it properly and you look like a little boy creating an elaborate secret handshake to safeguard your cronious secret society. Which, come to think of it, is probably why politicians like it so much. And then you have the old-fashioned handshake. 
these are definitely back on since you're still keeping each other at arm's length and especially now that you've never further than 10 meters apart from a bottle of hand sanitizer i carry some in my merce and offer the bottle round with all all the ceremony of a box of cigars it's lovely you can look at each other in the eye whilst you do it instead of trying to coordinate elbows in a manic dance. The double-hander, i.e. sandwiching my hand in between yours, is unnecessary and comes off a little bit gushy or intense. Sanitize after shaking, although perhaps not the very second after, unless you're about to eat something, in which case needs must. On this, hoping for a new golden era of actually yummy canopies, now that sharing platters and bowls are definitely dodgy, can a TV chef look into this, please? Anybody who's offended at seeing you sanitize your hands after shaking theirs needs to develop a much thicker skin. I intend to keep it up since I have a little bit of a whiff of a cough or a cold for 18 months and sanitizing has become the norm. How about hugging? Are we hugging? And the awkward push me, pull me that follows. Is a very small, is a new small talk of friends and colleagues you don't see very often at places. How have you been anyway? Maybe a little bit too risky if you're one of many who got unlucky with the ambulance or left too late to find an Airbnb in Devon. How's the family? Pretty sure everybody's sick of theirs. And once useful, it doesn't uh, didn't need to know each other that well. But also the completely unanswerable, what have you been up to? As with whether we're hugging, if we have to ask or not, we're probably not. I've been hugging my very close friends and family since we were allowed to do again big, squashy, crushy hugs, and not one of us had been asked, are we hugging at this at any point? We've all hurled ourselves at each other, completely starved of human touch and seeking reassurance that our friendships existed outside of our little virtual Zoom boxes. With really close friends, you've probably already done the are we hugging mental risk assessment, and they're going to the office parties, the gyms before meeting up with less close friends than you. Uh, You might want to smile hello and then fill with the same mental risk assessment while you chat and hear the latest news if they pass. You really want to, you can always just hug goodbye. Cheek kissing, too soon. Silver lining during the recent heat wave. If you're recovering from uh, face mask acne, then somebody else's sweaty cheek on yours is best avoided anyway if you're fighting the urge to smooch let me be give you an example i gave up moi 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 air kissing 18 months ago and i'm a fashion editor that said i also uh, living through a personal sex drought so i'm willing to make an exception for dashing or could be dashing or maybe somebody with a rather resplendent head of hair as one encouraging friend put it every stranger is somebody you haven't kissed yet hmm and then finally, tongue kissing uh, shouldn't obviously, well, anyway, given off the chance. I mean, with the hand sanitizer, I suppose you could have some Listerine or mouthwash as well if you're into, into that situation. Um, you could give yourself a quick swirl around before uh, going out in public. Um, but that probably kills all sorts of uh, germs or uh, any nasty excesses or anything along those lines. Uh, but I wouldn't go around uh, probably swigging or uh, swirling around in your mouth um, hand sanitizer. That's uh, probably a little bit derrick air. I'd like to gently introduce you to the feature we like to call Trampo Dombon. So, first up, a terrifying creature has been filmed crawling across a man's sofa, and he was so petrified by the sight he considered burning his house down. 
So Twitter user Vic Glay shared footage of a horrifying encounter and the video had been seen two million times. It showed a ginormous centipede slithering across the side of a gray chair in his home in Austin, Texas. The alien-like creature had a red head, dozens of legs, and a tail that made it uh, look as long as the side of a piece of furniture. I remember seeing them in New Mexico, and I cut them in half, and they basically um, one became two at that point, uh, almost like a chicken with its head cut off, I guess. They, they still moved around and slithered. A stunned child can be heard behind the camera, oh my gosh, daddy, where did that come from? Uh, the kid was almost as horrified as the father. I almost set the crib on fire yesterday. I found where it came from and sealed up every window in the crib and then some. The uploader was so shaken by the encounter, he turned the light off in his home and he wanted to get the hell out of Austin at that point. Apparently centipedes will survive a nuclear explosion. Let's just not test that theory though, because then you have a radioactive creepy bugger. The family was startled to find a drunk stranger in their house. They were even more shocked to find out that he had vomited on the kitchen floor and defecated in their kettle. Uh, a family was very shocked to find the stranger. An anonymous mum posted a find on Facebook with pictures of the man asleep on the couch and evidence of his late night antics. The drunken bloke had left surprises in the family kitchen, uh, vomited on the floor and left a couple of floaters in the uh, kettle that uh, weren't tea bags. let me put it that way. But you know what? Now they have encapsulated the taste of American tea. Most of that's now floating in the Boston Harbour. And a vegan music festival is gearing up for a weekend of live entertainment in a rather unusual venue. It's the world's first, because the entertainment isn't just for humans, but for pigs too. The Orchard Pig Gig is set to be held uh, this weekend at the Pig in the Woods Sanctuary in Huddersfield in the UK, offering a totally one-of-a-kind opportunity. The vegan-friendly event aims to raise funds for the production of abused and abandoned pigs, so quite literally saving their bacon. During the unique event, the pigs are said to enjoy uh, jazz, rap and classical music and will be free to roam uh, and interact with other ticket holders uh, and hopefully other porkers as well. Russell Haggerter, operations director and chairman at Pigs in the Woods, our pigs are one of a kind and love to socialise and dance to the music. Trotters in the air, everybody. They can't wait for this year's Orchard Pig Gig. Our generosity wouldn't exist without the, the generosity of the donations, and we're aiming to raise over £50,000 to improve the facilities for our pigs so that everybody can experience the joy these animals can bring. The festival will be held in a 10-acre pig sanctuary with a selection of vegan street food and uh, local artists. Hopefully there'll be some uh, vegan sausages as well. Uh, but, you know... Everything these days is bacon flavor. Bacon flavored straw, music, cowboy boots. Uh, seeing these perfect porkers makes me appreciate turkey bacon more. Well, maybe not that much. So as I mentioned earlier, and you know, I, I sometimes get around the tales and stories that I tell at the top of the show. But as I said, we don't have any running order here. And, uh, you know, sometimes we uh, we go with a whim. We spin the wheel and then decide what tales we're going to tell you, the listener. But Japanese natto beans could hold the key to stopping the coronavirus infection. 
an enzyme in a sticky, pungent Japanese food made with fermented soybeans may prevent the coronavirus infection, according to research led by the Tokyo University Agriculture and Technology. Researchers discovered the extracts from the natto that had been eaten by in Japan for about a thousand years break down into spike proteins on the coronavirus's surface, preventing it from infecting other cells. The exact molecular mechanism that destroys the spike proteins has yet to be identified by the scientists, who believe that more than one enzyme may be involved in the process. The extract, which combined in test tubes with the SARS virus, first identified in China, was then found to prevent the infection of the cultured cells. The experiment was repeated on the more transmissible variant first identified in the UK with similar results. The enzyme was not effective in hindering infection once it was heated above a certain temperature because the enzymes used were an extract. The researchers said it's not clear that just eating the fermented beans would produce the same results. So you have to eat cold beans, basically. Now, I have had cold baked beans for breakfast on occasion uh, when I don't feel like eating them up. Uh, Tetsuo Mitani, the uh, researcher of the, of the study, told the Mananishi Simbon newspaper, further verification is needed to determine whether it could be a method to prevent an increase in the number of infected people if there are an antiviral properties in the food product. Natto has been touted as a healthy food in Japan and it has certainly helped uh, with making Japan having some of the world's longest average lifespans. Studies in recent years have found that the incidence of strokes and heart disease are lowest amongst the population in Japan who eat natto regularly. The beans are also said to boost immune systems and improve gut health, but it's extremely rare for foods to have an antiviral uh, properties. Soybeans are fermented using bacteria found in plants in soil uh, called Bactillus uh, subtilis, and the resulting natto is a staple for Japanese breakfast. Traditionally, Japanese people have found that the natto is uh, beneficial for their health, and in recent years, research studies have revealed scientific evidence for its belief. I mean, the experiments also in the natto enzyme that also prevented the infection in the BHV1 virus that had caused outbreaks in respiratory disease in herds of uh, cattle around the world. You know what? I don't think giving uh, flatulent cows beans is a very good idea. We're trying to improve the climate, everybody. It's been absolutely marvelous having you here for the podcast today. Uh, keep calm and cauliflower cheese. So, uh, as I always say, you can listen on several different platforms, or many different platforms even. So you've got Apple Music, uh, Spotify, uh, you've got iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, all across the board. I opened up a box here in Chappy Towers that probably hasn't seen the light of the day, maybe for even 15 years. And as I prized open the box, I could hear the dulcet tones of your dear host Chappy emanating from the box so you can basically hear the podcast anywhere there is a musical edition if you like to stand in your line and shake the all togethers then there is a butler musical emporium playlist where we have some delightful tunes this week we have a little bit to pal the all saints beck prince was not was you too and many many more if you like your chappy scattered with a little dash of music along the lines. Uh, but there we go. So that's how you listen. Also, like and subscribe to the podcast on all the platforms. That does help. Uh, I'm not saying it, it helps bring home the bacon in my sense. It's like a lolly stick splint for my uh, fragile ego, basically. But love to hear the support. Love the interactions across Twitter, uh, which is at Keep Cheese. 
Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese on Instagram as well. And then finally, we did have the poem. It might be a little bit early, but uh, as August uh, is nearing, we have a poem called Harvest Time. Behold, the harvest is at hand, and the thick on the encircling hills, the sheaves like an encampment stand, making a marital fairyland that half the landscape fills, the plains in colours brightly blent, are burnished by the standing grain that runs across the continent. In sheets of gold or silver stain or red or copper from the mine, the oats and barley and the buckwheat shine. Autumn has pitched its royal tent and set his banner in the field where the blazes every ornament that beamed in a heraldic shield. He spreads his carpets from the store of stuff and richest burghers wore when velvet robed and studded o'er were the gems they faced the emperor. A wind is the laughing grain that bends to dodge his rough caress, knowing the rogue will come again to frolic with its loveliness. And in the highways drift a stream of carts of cattle and of men, with scythes in every meadow gleam, and Adam sweats again. In the young orchard forms a scene, with throats thrown upon the breeze, to reap the rye that lies between, and sickles hang on apple trees, half hidden in the glossy leaves. And the pails beside the reapers lie, while sturdy yokels toss the sheaves, and hats are cocked and elbows ply, and blackbirds rise to cloud the sky. In swarms that chatter as they fly, from field each shady lane is strewn and traced with wisps of hay, where gates lie open to the wain that creaks upon its toiling way, and little children dumb with pride upon the rocky mountain ride. While anxious parents warn the farm boys guide the lazy team till it shall stand beneath the beam that spans the gaping barn. The harvest to the cavern sinks with shifts of sunlight probe and chinks and fumes of incense rise. Then the farmers turn the latch. Good-natured autumn smiles to watch the triumph in their eyes. His gifts from many a groaning load are heaved and packed and wheeled and stowed by gnomes that hoard the prize, the grist of the celestial mill, which man has harnessed to his will. In one bright torrent falls to fill the greedy granaries beneath the annual rain of gold. Kingdoms arise, expand, decay. Philosophers that mind and fold and poets sing and pass away. Forever turns the winnowing fan, it runs with eternal force. As the plan and runs the planets of their course, behind the life of man, little we heed their silent power, save the gusty chaff is whirled when autumn triumphs for an hour and spills his riches on the world. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I will be back again tomorrow. Chappy out and cheerio for now.